Gracious Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it speaks to us in different seasons of life. And as we come before your word now, Lord, I pray that it, your, you would live amongst it, that we would see and hear your voice in it. We pray, Lord, as Gary reads the reading to us and Deb speaks to us, Lord, that you would speak through them and that we would hear your voice. So come, Lord, by your Holy Spirit and speak to us afresh this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Gary. Thanks, Gary. So, this morning, I want to start off with a bit of a quiz. And I need to say that the judge's decision is final on this, and I am the judge for this, okay? So, if you don't like it, you can take it up with me later. But I need all of you who are here, the few of you who are here, I need you to be calling out some answers, okay? So, if we could have the first slide, please. It's just coming. So the four things that are going to come up, there's going to be a lion, a lemur, a leopard, and a cat. So which one do you think is the odd one out? Anybody? Lemur. Okay, so the lemur. Well, you're wrong. It's actually the cat, because that begins with a C, and all the others begin with an L. Okay, so can we have the next slide? And we've got here... We've got a red pepper, we've got a tomato, we've got a carrot, and we've got a radish. So which one here do you think is the odd one out? The carrot, oh. Okay, so some people have said the carrot, but some people have said the tomato. The tomato is right, because actually the tomato is the only one that's a fruit. 
Okay, and so the last question in this, so who is the odd one out in this one? We've got Linvoy Primus, we've got Mo Salah, we've got Sergio Aguero, and we've got David Beckham. So who's the odd one out here? David Beckham, who did you say? Linvoy, okay, interesting. Well, actually, this one's a bit of a trick question because none of them is the odd one out. The thing is, with all of these men, all of these footballers, they all have mothers. And that actually is the same for all of us, isn't it? And sometimes on Mothering Sunday, it's really hard for some people because you may have lost your mother, you may have lost your mother quite recently, or you may have lost your mother a long time ago. But either way, we have all got mothers. And so that's why we celebrate Mothering Sunday. But today, we're going to be thinking about coping with disappointment. And we're going to look again at that story of Hannah and Samuel that Gary read to us. And whether our mother is still alive or not, whether we ourselves are mothers or not, or whether we have good relationships with our mothers or not, we will have all faced disappointment and loss sometimes, sometime in our life. And if we haven't yet, we will at some stage. But consequently, Mothering Sunday can be difficult for some people. So before we start, I'm just going to pray. Lord God, our Heavenly Father, you know our hearts. You see any pain and sadness that we may carry. And so I ask that you will comfort those who mourn for whatever reason, but particularly those who mourn around the issue of Mother's Day. Bring healing and peace, I pray, by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So this passage that we've just heard is a beautiful example of faithfulness and trust in the face of disappointment. Hannah is childless, and she feels it desperately. In those days, it was a great disgrace not to have children. And it was made worse for Hannah because her husband's other wife had lots of children and she would taunt Hannah regularly. But Hannah continued to pray and she didn't give up. Even when ridiculed by the priest Eli in the previous chapter, she, he, he thinks she's drunk, she held her ground, she didn't give up. And that faithfulness and trust was rewarded because she became pregnant and she gave birth to a son, Samuel. The name Samuel means God heard. God had heard Hannah's prayer and he'd answered. But how do we act when our plans don't come to fruition? Do we give up hope? Do we turn to worldly solutions? I'm sure that we all know somebody who has faced disappointment and has turned to those wrong solutions. And maybe it's you yourself. About 10 years ago, our family went through a pretty traumatic time, and I was really angry with God. I was really angry, and I did a lot of shouting. I felt really let down by God, and I didn't understand why he'd let this happen to us. And I remember talking to my mother about it, and she's not yet a Christian, but her question was, how come you still have your faith? And I felt a little bit like Peter when Jesus asked him if he wanted to leave, and Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I remember saying to my mum, well, 
you know, if I didn't have my faith, would you rather I started drinking too much or I started taking drugs? You see, at times, my faith was the only thing that kept me going. I didn't understand why it had happened, why, what had happened, but I knew that I had to hold on. And God held me through that storm just as he held Hannah, just as he holds millions of people who are going through storms or who have gone through storms. Now, sometimes it may not be quite so dramatic. Sometimes it just might be a sense of unanswered prayer, or it may actually be an answer that you didn't want. Or it may just be a series of small disappointments that pile up and create this huge sense of disappointment. But whatever it is, I think there are three ways that can help us to cope with disappointment. And so those three ways are look back to the scriptures, look around to your Christian community, and look forward to the resurrection and eternal life. So we're going to think about look, look back to your Bible first. So how many times have you turned to the Bible and a verse or a passage has just leapt out at you and it's said exactly what you've needed to hear? Maybe you've got a whole series of favourite verses that you can turn to in times of need. Now the Psalms are a great source of inspiration. They're full of strong emotions, aren't they? Anger, doubt, fear, pain, loss, as well as joy and rejoicing and praise. But the Psalms are a great start if you are feeling lost. And so just a few of them. We've got comfort in Psalm 103. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He restores my soul. Or Psalm 4, when we're crying out for help and the psalmist writes, Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Or distress and despair. This is a good one, Psalm 13. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And then when you need hope, perhaps Psalm 107. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them from their distress. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. He satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. The Psalms are full of great emotions. And then I've lost count of the number of times I've prayed Romans 8, 38 and 39, where Paul writes, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Bible is just full of God's promises to which we can hold when we're facing disappointment. But it is important to be real with ourselves and to be real before God. There's no point in trying to hide from him because he knows us. So it means we do have to be self-aware we have to recognize those feelings that are going on inside us and we have to acknowledge them. And then we can use scripture to pray in trust and in truth. When I was writing the sermon for this morning, I found this wonderful story about a young dancer who was in a very serious car accident and she ended up in hospital for months. 
And her leg was in traction and it was all, you know, sorted out with pulleys and weights. And she was immobile for weeks and weeks. She was asked how, as a dancer, she could cope with that immobility for so long. And she said, I would have died except for one thing. Every day, sometimes several times a day, I mentally danced Psalm 23. It's so beautiful and it gave me the patience to wait. I love that story. It's so beautiful, isn't it? She knew where her hope was. She looked back to the Bible and she was able to find hope and patience in her time of need. A few verses that I've turned to several times during these last few months are from Lamentations as well, which I think are really hopeful. Yet this I call to mind and therefore have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that's what we sang at the beginning of the service, isn't it? Great is your faithfulness. You see, God is faithful. We can hang on to that when things are tough. We can trust him. He keeps his promises. Charles Stanley, who was a Baptist pastor in the States, he wrote, Our Heavenly Father understands our disappointment, suffering, pain, fear, and doubt. He is always there to encourage our hearts and help us understand that he's sufficient for all our needs. When I accepted this as an absolute truth in my life, I found that my worrying stopped. So, look back to the Bible. And then, look around to your Christian community. In the face of her disappointment, Hannah continued to worship and pray. She talked with Elkanah. He knew of her longing for a child. And she still travelled up to Shiloh with him every year. She talked to Eli. She shared her pain. And we need our friends too. When disappointment hits, it's so much easier if we can share our pain with good and trusted friends. Now, this pandemic and the lockdowns have made it a little bit more tricky because we can't just um, phone a a friend and then pop round for a, a chat and a coffee. It's been harder to keep up with our families to meet them. And many of us have lost that workplace community where at least we would see people and be amongst people. We've not had that freedom on a Sunday morning after the service to have a cup of coffee or tea and just a chat with other Christian friends. And yet, there are ways that we can stay in touch. And I say this every time, but I believe that small groups are absolutely vital to authentic Christian community. Yes, we've had to meet online for a year, but actually it's been really good. We've looked at the word together, we've studied it together, we've worked out how we apply it to our lives together, and we've prayed for one another and we've supported one another. And as we've done that, the trust has grown in the group. We can be honest about our struggles and we know that what we say will be heard with love and without judgment. Paul writes in Romans, he says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those with mourn, who mourn. And that's what we do in small groups. We celebrate the joys and we rejoice, but also we mourn with those who are grieving and we support them through those those times of trouble and disappointment. And it makes a difference. When you're facing a disappointment, to know that you're not alone can make a huge difference. 
Jesus gave us the commandment, didn't he? He said, love one another as I have loved you. And we may not always do that well, but most of us are trying to live out that commandment. So if you are struggling, reach out to your friends and share that disappointment because there is truth in the saying, a problem shared is a problem halved. So stay in touch, share emotions and love one another. So look back to the Bible, look around to your Christian community and finally look forward to the resurrection. The tough times will end. There is always hope. Even now, in the middle of this pandemic, there's a roadmap out of lockdown. Vaccinations are happening. We do have a plan. And we, as disciples of Jesus, have the greatest hope of all. Because of Jesus' resurrection, we have the hope of eternal life, eternity with him. There is always more, and we can look forward with hope and with confidence. In the book of Hebrews, we are told... Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Now, obviously, Hannah hadn't read Hebrews, but in verse 11 of chapter 1, she prays with great confidence. She knows that God hears her passionate prayer, and she prays, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. She had such great faith that God would hear and answer. I'm quite sure that she'd prayed before and been disappointed, but she didn't give up. She came again and again before him with that desperate longing, but with great faith and confidence that God would hear and he would answer. And then when he did, she was able to fulfill that vow. She left Samuel with Eli. Incredible faith and confidence son for whom she'd prayed desperately, the son who was the fulfillment of that prayer. She left with Eli at Shiloh and she returned home. And I think that perhaps she was able to do that in the strength and knowledge of knowing that there is more. In chapter two, she, she prays a great song of praise. Listen to this. She says, my heart rejoices in the Lord In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. And then she says, There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. She knew that this life on earth is not the end. And so we too can look forward to all that is to come. Because of Jesus, we know that this life isn't the end. Philippians reminds us that we are citizens of heaven. So we need to live that out. How does knowing that Jesus defeats death make a difference to your life now and to the way that you handle life's disappointments and worries? As Christians, we have that hope of resurrected life. Do we show that in the here and now? Does our faith make a difference to the way that we live? I heard this wonderful story of a 91-year-old who had to move nursing homes. Her daughter-in-law was helping her to move. And as they went into the new home, she said to her mother-in-law, how are you feeling about this? And this amazing 91-year-old said, oh, it's so exciting, a whole new mission field. How awesome to be like that, to know 
that this life isn't the end. She had the hope of that resurrected life with Jesus and she wanted to share it with others. I want to be like that when I'm 91. And so, at any time and at every time, whether we're facing great joy or great sorrow, we know that it's not the end. It's just the beginning of the next bit. Even when we're facing death, we can trust that it is the next starting point for eternal life with Jesus. So if in the face of disappointment we can look to Jesus and remember that we too have been promised eternal life with him, then our perspective will change. Our circumstances may not, but the way that we face them will. And yes, disappointments hurt. Of course they do. And some may be bigger than others. But if we can remember these three things, it may well help. So look back to the Bible, look around to your Christian community, and look forward to the resurrected life. So let's pray. 2 Corinthians 4 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Heavenly Father, help us to turn to you in the midst of disappointment and loss, to know and trust your word, to continue to fix our eyes on you, however difficult that might seem. Let us remember that we are not alone in our troubles. Thank you that we can hold to the promise of the resurrection, knowing that our eternity is with you. Amen.